Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be hearing from Dr. Tony Wolfe. In May of 2017, Dr. Wolf joined the staff of the Southern Baptists of Texas Convention, where he is now the Associate Executive Director. Before working with the State Convention, Dr. Wolf served Southern Baptist churches in Texas and Louisiana for 18 years in the areas of worship, education, Christian counseling, and the pastorate. He holds degrees from Lamar University, Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary, and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Wolf has authored several books, including Going Social, Seven Things You Must Do to Be an Effective Small Group Leader, Mile Markers, Stages of Growth Along the Journey Towards Spiritual Maturity, and more. He is a regular contributor to LifeWay's Deacon Magazine and several denominational media outlets. Without further ado, Dr. Tony Wolf. Go Tigers. All right. Will you guys find a copy of God's Word and turn with me now to Colossians chapter 1, please? Colossians chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me tell you what a great joy it is to uh, be with you guys at Criswell Chapel this morning. We love this school. Uh, the greetings you know, to you on behalf of the 2,707 churches of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention who love you and are for you and believe in you as evidenced in the 8.5 million dollars that the SBTC has invested in Criswell College over the last 20 years and by the end of this school year by December well not school year calendar year December 31st 2022 we will have invested $650,000 just this year in you students and professors and in this college because we love you and we believe in you and we're here for you uh, so I, I Particularly when we talk about Criswell College, we talk about the, the theme, the idea of Criswell. We love your motto, shaped by scripture, sent to serve. This is who you are, and this is who we are. You are shaped by the scriptures, by the doctrines of truth, and you're sent to serve. No matter where Christ calls you, you're sent to serve in his kingdom. And that's what this whole thing is about. This whole thing, God is actively telling his gospel story as it passes through our generation and he's invited you and he's invited me to play an active part in what he's doing in the world in our generation and that's why all of us are here, to be shaped by scripture and to be sent to serve. I'm going to share with you exactly on that topic from Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 through 8 this morning and here are my goals. I have three goals for you. Number one, my goal is just to be an encouragement. I want to be everywhere I go. I want Christ to use me to encourage his people. So I hope this is an encouragement to you. Number two, I want to remind you of the importance, the priority, the preeminence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the sure, the, sure, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Number three, I want to invite you into something. I want to invite you to invest your whole life in God's global glory as it passes through your generation in the gospel story he's telling today. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of God. Let's give it the full reading that the text deserves. Colossians chapter 1, beginning of verse 1. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. May Christ add his blessing to the reading and proclamation of his word. Now, there's a richness in the details of the text. I have a lot of text and a little bit of time. I don't want to shortchange you any of it, so here's what I'm going to do. We're just going to walk by the text, just word by word, phrase by phrase. I'm going to point out some helpful things that I think are meaningful and relevant to you today as a student at Criswell College. And then when we get to the very end, very quickly, I'll give you five quick points of personal practical application. Deal? All right, let's dig in. Here we go. Verse 1, from Paul and Timothy to the saints in Colossae. So from Paul and Timothy to the holy ones, that is to the church gathered in Colossae. And look at his opening words. He says, grace and peace from God our Father. And oh, how the churches need messengers of grace and peace today. If you read the whole book of Colossians, what you see is that Paul's occasion for writing is actually to to correct a serious doctrinal error. You remember this from the book of Colossians. He's writing because they're in danger of letting secular, godless philosophies to creep into what they believe about the nature and person of Jesus Christ and God's work in the world. And so he's writing this letter to correct false doctrine. But pay close attention. As soon as he writes and addresses this church, he's saying, even though I'm writing to correct false doctrine, this is a message of grace and peace. And I think you'll find that consistent with the entire testimony of Scripture, that no matter the occasion, the interaction between brothers and sisters in Christ inside a congregation, and can I say even between congregations, should always carry the tone of grace and peace. There should never be an occasion between Christians or between churches that changes our tone from grace and peace to something like animosity or belittlement. The Christ could have written, or, or Paul could have written to the Colossians with a heavy hand, but instead he wrote to them with an open heart. And that's important to recognize in our text today. No matter the occasion, a heavenly measure of grace and peace should be characteristic of our interactions with one another here at Criswell College and in your local churches and between your local churches. This should always be true of us. So the question is, is grace and peace characteristic? of how you interact with brothers and sisters in Christ here on campus, in your church, and between our local churches. Look down at verse 3. He says, we always thank God when we pray for you. So Paul and Timothy regularly prayed for a church that they had never even met. They've never been to Colossae. Paul had spent about three years in Ephesus, 75 miles away from the town of Colossae, on his third missionary journey, but he had never actually visited Colossae. So he is actively praying for a church he never even visited. And what's he asking for whenever he prays? Well, first of all, he thanks God for them. And for what are they thankful? Look at verse 4. 
Verse 4, he says, we're thankful since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So there's this joy in Christian brotherhood and sisterhood that is rooting, rooted in saving faith. And that's why you, no matter where you go or, or from what source you hear this, when you hear of someone who learns of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin to anyone who would turn away from their sin and place their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ, when you hear that somebody somewhere around the globe has heard of this message, they've turned away from their way of life and they've entrusted God with their salvation, your soul rejoices. There's something that should be there's something inside our souls that rejoices when somebody comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus, our Lord himself, said it this way in Luke chapter 15. He said that there is joy before the angels of God when one sinner comes home, when one sinner repents. So we should always joyfully thank God when we hear of the salvation of some soul, whether it's in your house or in your neighborhood or halfway around the world. We're thankful, he says, for your faith in Christ Jesus. And in verse 4, we're thankful for your love for all the saints. And if you look in verse 8, it's Epaphras who has notified Paul and Timothy of the love of the saints. There's this really strange peculiar Christian love that's happening inside the church at Colossae. It's strange. It's a little weird. And if you think through it, Paul's, again, his occasion for writing is to correct doctrinal error. So he's writing to a church that needs doctrinal correction, but he acknowledges that they have a sincere Christ-like love for one another. Wrap your head around this. The doctrinally deficient Colossian church is teaching the world something about what it looks like to have sincere Christian love. The doctrinally deficient church is showing the world what it looks like to love one another in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you're my disciples by your what? Love one for another. And, and it'll always be this way. The greatest apologetic of the Christian faith will always be in the strange, peculiar, Christ-like love that you show to your brothers and sisters in Christ. The way that you love each other should turn the heads of the watching world. They should see something in Christian community they don't find anywhere else all over the globe in any other gathering. And Paul's saying, even to the doctrinally deficient Colossian church, they exhibit this well. They show the world what it looks like to love people Christ's way. So how does this compare to the way that you interact inside your congregations and at Criswell College and and can I say, maybe even on uh, social media, how churches interact with one another today? How does this compare? Do we, do, are we holding to the doctrinal standard of Colossians 1, 1 through 8? See, the goal is that Christ-like love would compel you to a deeper understanding of and appreciation of the doctrines of faith. However, it's really sad, I think, and a little bit ironic, that sometimes the most doctrinally sound among us can be the most affectionately deficient. So we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your faith in Christ Jesus. Look at verse five. Why? Because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. I've always heard that some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But, but the text of scripture flips this on its head. It flips the mic on us here. He's saying apparently there are some people who are so earthly minded, some Christians who are so earthly minded that they're of no heavenly good. 
The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 to fix our eyes on Jesus. In fact, if you want to look ahead in chapter 3 and verse 2, Paul is going to tell the Colossian church this. If you just kind of skim over there and look at it, he says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, not on things that are above. What kind of things? Practical things, monetary things, treasure kind of things, but also doctrinal kind of things, philosophical kinds of things. Fix your mind on heavenly things so that you can be effective in your earthly mission. And this is the reputation of the Colossian church here. It's come to Paul and it's come to Timothy, and they thanked God that the hope of heaven was so beautifully reflected in the love of the saints and the faith of the saints in the Colossian church. So is the hope of heaven so beautifully reflected in the faith and love of the saints at Criswell College and in your local churches and between our local churches? Look at verse 5, second half. Of this that is this hope laid up for you in heaven. He says, of this you've heard before. You've heard this before. So Paul's not telling them anything new. They've heard this before. And the older I get, the more thankful I am for friendly reminders. My wife Vanessa and I got married when we were both 18 years old. And I know that's really, really young. I know. We've been married for over 21 years now. Uh, when I preach youth conferences and you see those, you know, those teenagers who are all googly-eyed and they're in love with each other and I say, you know, we, we got married, we were 18 years old and one of them's elbowing the other one and asking him for a ring and those kinds of things. I'm like, look, I don't regret it, but I don't recommend it, right? Those first five years were like really difficult, but by God's grace, we are where we are today. So we got married, we were 18 years old and here's what I had to learn. My wife is a great helper to me. I didn't realize that at the time, but I need her more than I know. She used to always frustrate, frustrate me to no end. She would remind me of everything. Everything. Like, don't forget you have to turn right in two lights. Did you pack your toothbrush? Did you remember to call your mom this morning? I was like, I'm not 10 years old. Like, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I know I don't have to be reminded all the time. And now that I'm 40 years old, I just go ahead and ask her ahead of time. I'm like, did I pack my toothbrush? Where are we going again? Can't remember if I talked to my mom this week or not, right? And so the older I get, the more thankful I am for friendly reminders. And this is a friendly reminder from Paul. He isn't telling them anything new. I really want you to think through this. Paul's not telling them anything new just yet. He's reminding them of something they already know. Where have they heard this before? Look in verse 5. They've heard it. In the word of the truth, the gospel. The gospel is the word of truth, Paul is saying. It is the central message of the Christian church. Jesus died for your sin. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And anyone, anywhere, down through the generations who turns away from their sin and places their faith completely in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. This is the pure, very simple, good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, everything else I'm about to write you is contained in this pure, simple gospel seed. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? In that faith that transformed you at the moment of your faith in Christ Jesus. In that faith, you have everything you need to be a successful and a valuable contributor to God's kingdom work as it passes through your generation. At Criswell College, you have many doctrines and you have many teachings. And I want you to hear me say this very clearly. I'm a doctrinal nerd. I love doctrine, I love theology. I love the teaching. I'm investing my life, at least half of it, in this very thing. 
And when you allow the counsel of God's word to inform your mind and and shape your heart and your life, and, and, and the more you know about who God is and the more you order your life accordingly, the more satisfied in your walk with God you will be. Doctrine, teaching, theology is very important. I know you know that because that's why you're here at Criswell College. Doctrine, teaching, theology, very important. And that's, by the way, that's the central place of human thriving. If you want to thrive as a human being, know more of God through his word and what he expects of you and order your life accordingly. I don't want to to downplay the truth and the value of the doctrines of God's word. But all of that, all of that potential teaching, all that potential joy and fulfillment of life that you can find in Christ, every bit of it is contained in the simple, pure gospel seed. So the doctrines that you learn should never cause you to redefine or confuse or complicate the simple gospel. Instead, the the doctrines, the teaching, the theology that you're learning should draw out the pure fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. So is the doctrine that you're learning, is it drawing out the pure fruit of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ? If you're a Christian, you should never get over the gospel. And everything you learn should cultivate the truth of that gospel as it bears fruit in your life. Look at verse 6. The gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So the gospel is not just the central message of the Christian church. The gospel is the center of God's global redemptive work. God's doing all kinds of great things all over the world, and he'll do, some of you are going to be school teachers and linemen and lawyers and doctors and politicians and all those wonderful things, but still, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that forms the basis for God's global glory as it passes through our generation. You should, you should never have a greater or more consistent or louder message than the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter where Christ calls you. So Paul says, what God is doing through the gospel in Colossae he is actively doing all over the world right now. And that's supposed to bring the Colossian church some encouragement. Whatever it is that God's doing through the gospel in Colossae, he's literally doing all over the world. Let's fact check Paul. Doesn't that sound like fun? Political season is coming up. God help us. One more time. And one of my favorite things, I can't, I know uh, Dr. Creamer, who is brilliant, by the way, uh, loves to watch and analyze the debates. This guy is a debater. Uh, he's, he's amazing, especially with politics. I, I love to hear his take on it all. Um, I can't stand watching the debates, so I just want to talk to Dr. Kramer afterward, and, and he can tell me, you know, uh, what happened. But what I like to watch is after the debate, those talking heads from the news sources, and they come up, they fact-check people. You ever watch this? It's easy to spit out a bunch of numbers when you're in front of a bunch of people who are all emotionally charged, but when you really get to the facts, I mean, was it accurate? So let's fact-check Paul. Before we fact-check Paul, I mean, his, his claim is big, that the gospel is literally growing all over the ancient Near East. Before we fact-check him, let's understand this. How does the gospel of Jesus Christ in the first century AD, how does the gospel of Jesus Christ make its way across the ancient Near East? How does it make its way into the workplaces and the marketplaces and the school settings? How does the gospel of Jesus Christ advance? It only advances because everyday Christians take the gospel to everyday people in their everyday spaces. They don't have any formal missionary mobilization platforms. They don't have this huge funding campaign like we do in the cooperative program. They really don't even have established seminaries like this where people can be trained in the pure, unadulterated doctrines of God's word. They don't have all that. You know what they have? 
the gospel and Christians. And so everyday people, just like you, take the gospel to their everyday spaces. Let's fact check Paul. So uh, even though there are no missionary agencies and no institutionally funded evangelists or anything, Paul's saying that the gospel is spreading rapidly all over the world, at least the known world. Watch this. Church historians estimate that by the year 325 AD, which is the Council of Nicaea, that's 263 years after the date of this letter, in case you're interested. So by 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea, there were between three and eight million Christians in the ancient Near East. And if you fast forward to about 500 AD, the vast majority of the people in the Roman world at least called themselves Christians. So from, you know the statistics, from 120 Christians in Acts chapter 2, 120 on the whole planet, to let's say 8 million in 325 or, or 500 AD. From 120 to 8 million in less than 500 years, that's a 67,000% increase. That's incredible. Yes, the gospel of Jesus Christ is taking root and bearing fruit all over the known world. How does that happen? The gospel of Jesus takes root and bears fruit in the lives of everyday people just like you and me because the hope of heaven takes root and bears fruit when everyday Christians take the gospel to their everyday spaces and share it with everyday people. So listen to this. No matter where Christ calls you, no matter what your title is or your function is or your post is, or your employer is, no matter any of that, be that person who takes the pure, simple gospel of Jesus Christ to everyday people in your everyday spaces. And if you're in ministry and you're leading the church, be the church leader who trains and mobilizes your everyday people to take the gospel to everyday people in everyday spaces because this is God's plan for the dissemination of the best news ever across the globe in our generation. Verse seven. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Their beloved Epaphras is case in point, man. I mean, when the gospel of Jesus Christ came to Epaphras, it changed him and it did something in him. So Epaphras, I don't know if he was on business or on vacation or visiting family in Ephesus whenever he heard the gospel, presumably from Paul or one of his cohorts. And he took that gospel message back home to Colossae and he started sharing with, with everybody the gospel of Jesus Christ took root and bore fruit in Epaphras, case in point. So before we can expect the gospel to take root and bear fruit in your communities and all over the globe, it has to take root and bear fruit in your very life. Epaphras exemplifies this for us. The question is, who will be the faithful witness that takes the pure, simple, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ to everyday people in everyday spaces in 2022. Who's gonna do that? You know, currently there are eight, almost eight billion people on planet Earth. Eight billion people. There are 330 million Americans. 30 million of them call Texas home. And about six and a half million of them live in the DFW Metroplex. And that number is increasing rapidly. In fact, if you combined Dallas-Fort Worth, the whole Metroplex uh, population, that's six and a half million, then we would be the second largest city in the United States of America. And we're growing rapidly. And if our statistics hold true, which we did a lot of work on, and I think they do, just in the Lone Star State, 68% of them are headed down a collision course for hell. Because one of two things is true. Number one, 
they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or number two, having heard it, they've chosen not to believe. That's it. Two out of three, 68%, two out of three of the people you brush shoulders with today at the restaurant, in home, in your neighborhoods, at work, two out of three of them are headed down a collision course for eternity separated from God, not because that's what God wants for them. God wills that all would be saved in Christ. Not because that's what God wants for them, but because nobody's ever told them the gospel or they've chosen not to believe. I think Texas, DFW, Dallas area, even this Criswell area right here, geographic region around your school, we need some Epaphras kind of people today. Just real, everyday people who actually believe this, who actually believe the pure, simple gospel of Jesus Christ and are committed to taking that gospel to their everyday spaces and sharing it with everyday people. Five points of application, I'm done. Here's number one. Regardless of what anyone else does, you just choose to interact with fellow Christians with grace and peace. Regardless of what anybody else does or says on social media or to your face or, or anything, you just be the Christian who interacts with other Christians with grace and peace. Might I go so far to say that we need a resurgence of Christian kindness in our culture? You just interact with grace and peace. Number two, demonstrate peculiar Christian love toward others at all times. I'm telling you, this is why you come to Criswell. You want the deep truths of the doctrines of the Bible and you want to know them and you want to shape your life around them. I know that. But here's the thing. The greatest apologetic you will ever have is in your pure, simple, strange, peculiar, selfless, sacrificial love for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Love people, love them hard. Number three, set all of your hope on heaven's glory. Keep your head in the clouds. Set all of your hope on heaven's glory. Number four, be sure that your doctrine does not confuse or complicate the simple gospel. Be sure that your doctrine, learn it, learn it all, and shape your life accordingly. But be sure that your doctrine, your theology, does not confuse or complicate the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's number five. Just be that everyday Christian who shares the gospel with everyday people in your everyday spaces. Let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you for these students and this faculty and staff who obviously love you and who are, uh, who are all in on your redemptive plan for the world as it passes through our generation. God, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, would you show them favor in their studies and in their work, God, in their relationships with one another. God, we pray together for Criswell College that you would continue to make this a really safe space for men and women to learn, to be formed by the doctrines of your word uh, and, and to hold to the, uh, the urgency of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, that, that you would use us, every one of us, Lord, in a powerful, important, and invaluable way as your gospel story passes through our generation. Lord, you've entrusted eight billion people to us in our generation. And your good news needs to get to every one of them before it's too late. So God, find us faithful to our calling in you, regardless of what our title or position or place is. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.